you want to be turning to John chapter 6, that's going to be our text for this morning. Appreciate Luke giving us the reading this morning. Did I say Luke? Cole. Not Luke. We have visitors amongst us this morning. We're so glad that you are here. I know folks are traveling for uh, the holidays, and there will be more to come. And uh, we've got Haley home with us. She got in uh, Friday night late and uh, going to be here for the week of Thanksgiving before she makes a mad dash back to finish up finals before Christmas. So, so glad that you are with us this morning. God is so worthy of our, our praise, our attention, our love, our adoration. The story is told of uh, two old friends who bumped into one another one day on the street, hadn't seen each other for, for a long, long time, and one of the guys looked really, really sad, just almost on the verge of tears, and his friend said, my, my brother, what has the world done to you that you look so sad? He said, about three weeks ago, an uncle of mine died and left me $40,000. God said, well, that sounds good. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. He said, two weeks ago, a cousin that I have never even met passed away and left me $85,000 free and clear. The guy says, well, it sounds like you've been, you've been blessed. Why are you so sad? He said, you don't understand. He said, last week, a great aunt of mine passed away, and I have been inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars. The guy said, why are you so sad? All these good things have happened to you. He said, this week, nothing. <laughs> you know, when we start to receive things on a regular basis, even if they are a gift, after a while, we sort of begin to expect it, don't we? We, we, start, we start thinking we ought to have it. That's sort of the entitlement mindset, I think, that's really permeated all of our society, really at every level. Uh, we have been so blessed to live in a land of plenty, and I think as a result, we kind of become complacent. And many times we're just unwilling to give thanks to anyone for anything because we just sort of expect it. I came across a quote this past week. It says, receiving with no opportunity to reciprocate eventually corrodes the soul. Receiving with no opportunity to reciprocate corrodes the soul. You know, we often hear this idea that attitude is everything. Well, I think it's no different when it comes to Thanksgiving. The attitude that we carry with us through life really is paramount. If we truly want to live lives, they give thanks to God. Romans chapter 6, I want us to read, read this text together. We're going to begin in verse 25. 
the word of the Lord. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. In our text, we find this crowd, they're, they're, they're questioning Jesus. How is he going to prove himself to them yet again. Uh, if you remember earlier in the chapter, Jesus has fed 5,000 people with five loaves of barley bread and, and two fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus feeds over 5,000 people. And then Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat, to go to the other side, um, he begins to walk on the water. They're afraid, but then they welcome him into the boat. And then when the people follow around, they realize that Jesus sent his disciples off in the boat. He didn't get in the boat with them, and they're wondering, how did you get here? They're not used to people walking on water. But they're saying, how did, how did you get here? This is blowing our mind. And Jesus is like, you know, you're hunting for me, um, not because you really, really are interested in what I'm talking about, but because you ate, because I fed you. You see, Jesus knew that the people were hungry. He saw that need, and he met that need. But now the people have a perceived need, if you will, and they want Jesus to meet that need, and, and Jesus is not interested in that. It's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if, Jesus is saying to them, um, you're looking at me like it's a circus or some sideshow, and you're asking for me to do another sign. They're saying, Jesus says, you just want a sign, and they say, okay, well, what are you going to do now? You know, just half a chapter ago, Jesus did a pretty cool miracle, did he not? 
feeding the 5,000. And yet they're saying, what other sign are you going to do so that now we will believe? Now, if you do another sign, we will believe in you. When the masses demanded for more food, Jesus referred them to the fact that he was pointing them to spiritual food, not the physical. And when these Jewish listeners were trying to grasp what he was teaching them, he makes this historical, uh, historical connection uh, for them referring back to the manna that God provided for them when they were wandering in the wilderness all those 40 years. And so, again, demonstrating that God met their needs when they needed it, Jesus turns the discussion to the spiritual needs that they have. They ask him to, to provide this food. He says, um, from now on, they say, from now on, give us this bread so that we won't go hungry. Kind of sounds like something else we remember in Scripture. You remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus comes to the woman at the well? And he's talking to her, and that's sort of an awkward type conversation. He says, give me a drink. And she's like, you know, you have nothing to pull water from. But eventually Jesus tells her, I could give you living water. I could give you some water that if you drink from this water, you will never thirst again. And what does she say? Give me some of that water. I'd love to have that kind of water so I'd never have to come to this well again and draw water. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. We're not talking the physical, but I'm talking about something spiritual that would satisfy you like nothing has ever satisfied you. That's what Jesus is saying here. Oh, please, give us this bread so that we won't have to hunger anymore. And what does Jesus say to them? I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I am all that you really need. With a belief in Jesus, they would never be hungry again, at least not for anything that really is significant. They would never be hungry for anything that was really, really important. How sad it is, I think, when we as wayward children put other needs ahead of this need for the bread of life that is made known in the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only real need that we have to live a life of eternal blessing. And yet, we pursue cars, we pursue homes, we pursue vacations, we pursue uh, climbing the corporate ladder, we pursue trophy spouses, and all manner of possessions. And in the process, we neglect the importance of returning thanks to the giver of all good gifts for the only thing that really matters. Brothers and sisters, we have been so blessed by God in ways too many to number. We, we used to sing the old song, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. We could begin to do that and spend the rest of our lives and never come to the end of how much we've been blessed. But sometimes we're just like the people in our text today. We want Jesus to do one more thing. 
one more blessing, one more miracle, Jesus, and then I'll believe. That's what it'll take. I remember years ago we were at a youth rally, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Jeff Walling was, was, was doing the keynote address, and I remember very vividly he walks down the stage and he stands at the front pew and he said, I want you to think about this just for a moment. He said, if I had one of you come up here and stand next to me and I had a limitless supply of $100 bills on the front pew and I began to just lay those in your hand, in your palm, one, two, three, four, five. He says, when would you tell me to stop? 12, 13, 25, 30, 100, 100 and when would you ever say stop? Oh, no, $5,000, that's enough. I don't need any more. I'm good. Well, but what about 5,100, 5,200? What if you got to a million? Would that be enough? He said, when would you ever say stop? Because we always just have that mindset just one more, one more. I could, do, I could do something else with just one more. That's the way it is with us in our flesh. That's the way it was with the people in our text. What is it going to take to really believe that you are who you say you are? Well, just one more thing, Jesus. One more miracle. One more blessing. And then I'll put my faith in you. Then I'll put my trust in you. Then I'd be able to return thanks. It's almost as if they were viewing Jesus' ministry as just a magic show. They weren't satisfied with the things that he had already done to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate that he was that bread of heaven. They wanted yet another demonstration of his power. It seems to me like it was well past time for them to believe in Jesus and also to believe in the one that had sent him. Maybe you aren't feeling too blessed this morning. And for some of you here this morning, I know it's a struggle. There are things in your life um, that have overwhelmed you. I've been told that there... Um, is a family with us this morning that is really hurting, really grieving. We prayed for you in our Bible class, and we will pray for you again at the end of our service. And I know sometimes it's hard. It really is. We're overwhelmed with life, with burdens, with tragedy. Maybe you can't see the gifts that God has given you. Maybe the pain of life has overwhelmed you to the point where you just don't see anymore how blessed you really are. Like a lot of people today, maybe you have been so blessed that even those blessings don't look all that good anymore. Isn't that, isn't that weird how that happens? We, we become so blessed with so many things that even those blessings don't look good to us anymore. You know, after you buy that new car and it has that new car smell, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I don't even know if that's a real thing or if that's something that they, they, they pipe in 
you know, but, but when you open the door, it's like intoxicating. It's like you can smell the rich Corinthian leather, you know? You remember that commercial? Ricardo Montalban, or rich Corinthian leather. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's like I've got to have this. But you buy it, you take it home, your three-year-old leaves a crayon in the back, it melts on the back seat, and the sippy cup, you know, gets spilled, and, after, and, and it doesn't take long, and the new is gone. The new is worn off. It just doesn't look that good anymore. It doesn't even smell that good anymore. Sometimes we are so blessed that even those blessings don't seem all that good. How can we overcome this earthly mindset, this apathy, and be brought into more of a true spirit of thanksgiving in a culture that says, get out there, enter into the rat race, try to get all the status that you possibly can, get everything that you can, you know, go for the gusto. I think it was years ago, um, Lily Tomlin, if anybody remembers that name, uh, Lily Tomlin said this. She said, the problem with the rat race is that even if you win the race, you're still a rat. You're still a rat. That's the problem with the rat race. And that's what the world is pulling us. The world is pulling us into that rat race, and we've got, to, we've got to stop, and we've got to step back and say, no, that's not what I'm here for. We talked about that in Romans 12 this morning. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're not going to enter into the rat race because that's not what it's about. We're already... So blessed. I got a few suggestions for us this morning, and then the lesson will be yours. Be thankful that you don't already have everything that you want. If you did, what would there be to look forward to? Be thankful that you don't already have everything you want. Be thankful when you don't know something because this gives us an opportunity to learn. I, my wife and I make fun of this all the time. Used to, when you didn't know something, you would, you would ponder it, you would think about it. Maybe if you couldn't remember something, you would, you would you know, you'd try your best to come up with it or maybe try to figure out where I could go to find the answer. You know what we do now? We just Google it. Oh, there it is. We, we, we don't ever wonder about anything anymore because if we don't know it, we just Google it. But be thankful when you don't know something because it might give you the opportunity to learn something new. Be thankful for the difficult times. That's really hard. That one's really hard because it's during those times that you grow. Rarely do we grow when everything is just going really smoothly. It usually is when there's a struggle, when things are hard. Um, and isn't it funny how a lot of the times when you go back in time and you are talking with somebody and you, and you say, yeah, when I was in college, you know, I ate ramen noodles like, you know, eight days a week. 
and didn't have anything, and we got married, and we moved into this old ratty apartment, and, you know, every now and then a mouse would run by, and, and we just, you know, a broken down car that we had to push half the time, and, and you look back on that, and you're like, man, those were the days. We just really, you know, were in love, and we, we, we didn't care about any of that kind of stuff, and you really look fondly back. Now, you don't want to go back to those days, right? You don't want that old car. You don't want to live in that old apartment, but, but you look fondly because there was a struggle there, and you were making it, and God was helping you, and then sometimes we, we arrive, and we look back at those times as some of the best times of our lives because it's during those times we grow. Sometimes it's during the struggle that, that we go to our knees and spend time with God. We need to be thankful for the difficult times. Be thankful for your limitations because they give you opportunities to improve. Be thankful for each new challenge because it will build strength and character. Be thankful for your mistakes because they will teach you valuable lessons. You know, I, I know that God doesn't desire for any of us to make mistakes or to sin. That's not God's desire for us. But when we do, and he knows we will, when we make mistakes, if we could just learn from them, learn from them and grow from our mistakes, and then do better. Never is there a Sunday when I stand before you that I preach from some ivory tower and I'm telling you how to live or how you should, how you should conduct yourself. Man, I, I preach from a place of brokenness. I preach from a place of heartache at times, a place of guilt, shame, past experiences, struggles that I've been through. And God doesn't want any of that for us, but he knows. And if we will just learn from those mistakes, God can use us for his glory. God can use us through that pain to help someone else because we have that experience. That's why Jesus became flesh. The Hebrew writer says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Be thankful when you're tired and weary because it just might mean you have made a difference in someone else's life. You know, it's easy to be thankful for the good things. Lord willing, we're going to gather around tables on Thursday, hopefully with family, friends, loved ones, and we'll pause and we'll give thanks to the giver of all good things. But a life of true fulfillment can come to those who are also thankful for the setbacks and for the hard times. And as hard as it may be, 
Find a way to be thankful for your troubles because they really can become some of your greatest blessings. So as we look around at the land of plenty that we live in, it is my prayer this week that we will see through new eyes all the ways that God has blessed us and never take God or those blessings for granted. This year, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, may we each see God for who he really is and see ourselves for who we really are, people in need of the bread of life that we may eat and truly be satisfied. Let's bow and pray. Father God, we love you. Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. And Father, even this week as we will gather around tables, we will partake of good food. Help us to realize that that can never truly satisfy, but that Jesus is really the only thing we need, the giver the sustainer of our lives, the true bread that has come down from heaven. And Father, even as the people said, what are the works that we must do? What are the works that you require? May we believe in the one that you have sent. That is the work that you require of us. Father, we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and in him alone. Thank you for this time. We pray in his precious name. Amen.